Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back to the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. This is episode 55 ironically being recorded before 54. We'll explain that one later. But uh, we're back again with our friends from Crowley. Jerome, welcome back. And we're, we're also joined by uh, Jess Bukowski. And of course, Ben and I are here to have, a, have just a grand old time with Crowley yet again in this three-part series. This is episode two with them. And we're going to talk about small business, specifically carriers and maybe even a little talk on brokers. So uh, Jerome, welcome back. And Jess, good to have you on the show here today. Thanks. Good to be here. And Ben, before uh, anything else, I got to ask you, like I do every week, how's sunny Florida? Florida is beautiful. I'm just excited for the U.S. Open this week. Can't wait till tomorrow. Before I was checking the stats, and there's now more money. I feel like this is just a classic Zoom finagle right there. Anyway. Sorry, Ben. Apparently, your opinion on golf doesn't matter today. So, um, anyway, it, it was uh, it was in the low 40s here in Western New York earlier this week. But uh, on the note of golf, Ben, are you back with us? I am back. Perfect. What What about the U.S. Open? No, I, I had saw just a, a moment ago. There was more money wagered on Tiger Woods to win at 40 to one odds than Dustin Johnson, who just won the FedEx Cup last week. So, looking for uh, Tiger Woods to take take the U.S. Open title this week. Fair enough. Uh, in the world of NFL, because I can finally talk about this now, um, obviously when this episode releases, we'll actually have uh, – we'll be through two weeks plus a Thursday night game when, as of the time of this recording, we're through one week. So all I can say is that Buffalo Bills are tied for first place across the league at, uh, you know, an undefeated 1-0 right now. Um, Jess, you mentioned that you're a, a Jags fan, and you are the sole reason that I got booted in week one out of my Survivor League because you guys took down the Colts. So thanks. Jerome, is that your team too, being in Jacksonville? I, I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> You're more of an NBA guy. I remember you saying <laughs> a lot of confidence yeah. there. I think, I think Jerome and I are like what you call uh, default fans. Uh, so we default to, to the Jags. That's our home team. It's, it, it's really gotcha. hard uh, to, to, to be a football fan here in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, we tried going to the games a while back, but, uh, you know, when you have like a 1 p.m. game and it's, uh, you know, 103 out, it's just not a whole lot of fun to, to be there in person. You can always join Bill's Mafia and just, you know, become a backer in a different city. You know, there's probably like 250 cities around the country that just have Bill's backers. So join the, join the crew. We'd have no problem with it being 100 degrees on game day, especially in the middle of January, So, which assumes playoff berth. So, all right, good stuff. Uh, Jerome, anything new in the NBA since we last talked about it? So I'm just going to hang my hat out here. So on, on our last episode, uh, I was predicting Lakers in Boston. Uh, and I predicted that Milwaukee would get uh, eliminated, which they did. Uh, Boston just started the, the Eastern Conference Finals last night. Um, they're down 1-0 to Miami right now. So, so, but I still think Boston's going to pull it out. I still think it's going to be Boston and Lakers. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Fair enough. I like it. You're like the Nostradamus of the NBA so far. So, so far until, until I get it wrong. And then it just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
other highlights around the NFL before we get into the episode today. My uh, Steelers took a Monday night win. Twenty-six. My Steelers took a win. Twenty-six, sixteen Monday night. Yeah. Who did you guys play again? Uh, Giants. Oh yeah, Danny Dimes. Yeah, and Dennis told me two Monday night games. Dennis did tell me too. He paid me fifty bucks to say the Bengals were going to do the Super Bowl this year. So. Joe Joe Burrow going all the way first year. Love it. I actually, I, w- I wanted to tell him that I picked up Joe Burrow in my fantasy league just because of him. He's my, <laughs> he's my third in line quarterback, but if he starts pulling some magic out for Cincinnati, he's going ahead of, uh, who do I have? I don't even remember who my quarterback is, but he'll have to go in the number one spot. Oh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So good luck, but uh, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. So that's sports. It's going to be a very fluid fall with NFL and uh, we'll see how NBA, you know, wraps up. But that being said, without further ado, let's get into today's topic. So Crowley, we're with you guys again. This is all about small business and the, you know, we, we brought up a stat last week. It was 90. We actually fact checked it. 97% of trucking companies operate 20 or fewer, I had to look at my notes there, 20 or fewer assets. So, um, Jerome, I'm going to let you hop right in here and, you know, talk to us about small business. What is small business? What does it mean for, for Crowley and, and, you know, the contract works that you guys are uh, involved in? How does that look for you guys? Yeah. So thanks. Uh, thanks for having us back. Um, we had a, we had a great time on our first episode and, you know, hit some really good topics. Uh, this week's episode, I'm really excited about. It really talks uh, about small business transportation companies, what it means for them, why they should care, uh, and some of the things that we're doing to help uh, navigate some of these small business carriers operate uh, within this government contracting world. So real quick, I have a question for you guys. What, what would you say the annual revenue threshold is to be qualified as a small business transportation provider within the United States? Your guess, Nate. You're making me go first? I was going to go for a dollar, Bob, based well, on here's what the interesting guessed. thing, and this is, the, this is the other step, right? Like 84%, right? 97 have less than 20, but 84% of that market is less than six trucks, right? So the vast majority of that is much smaller than 20, right? Jerome, do you notice how he's just avoiding answering the question? Yeah, I Because he knows I'm going to beat him. I'm going to give it a stab here. I'm going to say 40 million top line annual revenue. And I feel well, like that's high. I guess. It's a high I'm guess. Like, I'm closer at like, we're looking at what they've got to stay under to be a small business, right? Correct. I'm going to go with 15 million. Neither 15 one or right. five zero. Which one 15, are you going with? One five. Oh, that's too low. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will say this. So, you know, out of the, the stat that you gave uh, Nate, so 97% operating 20 or fewer units automatically those 97% would qualify as small business, not on their unit count, but based on their annual revenue. So the threshold is actually 30 million uh, US dollars. So if your annual revenue is below that, you qualify as a small business transportation provider. And I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty big threshold. I mean, you think about $30 million annually. Um, so the good news, any size company. And by the way, Nate, I, I win. I was only off by 15 million. You were off by 20. Just. Uh, I no, said he was 40 off by million. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Although if we're going price is right rules, you win by default because I was over. I could have, I could have guessed 30 million 
one penny and I would have got the, <laughs> eh. but uh, I'll give yeah. you the win then. So, you know, th- thinking about 30 million, I mean, that's, that's a pretty nice threshold. And so as you guys can tell there, there is the majority of the industry that qualifies within that threshold. And so, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about today is, you know, okay, so we qualify as a small business transportation company. What does that mean? Why should, why should I give you guys the time to hear you out on this? And what are some of the benefits? And so, um, you know, looking at the small business program, again, annual revenue under 30 million. So if you guys, you know, for any of the listeners, if they meet that requirement, um, I, I do want to put in, you know, I encourage you guys to reach out to our team. We have a lot of good information for you, how to get certified, what that means. Um, and, you know, the, the reason that, that Crowley supports this program, um, we are, again, going back to our first episode, we have this built into our strategy of working and developing small business companies, right? And so, you know, we take a look at these transportation companies and we really try to determine where they can add value in our network. And as we do that, we also walk them through the process of learning what it means to be a small business company, um, what are some of the benefits and what they should be on the lookout for. And so what happens is we automatically are investing in our carriers and in turn, as they grow as a company, they're investing back in us with you know higher performance, higher solutions, and that's really what it's all about. So it's a win-win for you guys and the carriers. It, 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 yeah, it really is. And, you know, at, at the end of the episode, we'll kind of talk about some of the stories that we have, but it really is a win-win. Uh, we we kind of take a lot of pride in helping these small business companies really grow and develop and mentor them through this process. And there's just, there, there's so much value there, but not a lot of companies are aware of what it means to be a small business. And so basically, you know, what we do, we start working with you. And um, if you're interested in working with Crowley on our defense contracts, we will go through the paperwork process of getting you certified within Crowley uh, to support our defense contracts. And then what we also do is we will work with you to get you certified through the Small Business Administration. Um, And, you know, really after that process, there, there are just so many opportunities, so many doors that open as a small business company. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that through, throughout the episode. But, yeah, there's... And that's what I want to ask you. Before we kind of get off this topic, you know, whether it's Jessica or Jerome, like we talked about two different programs. So it's certification with Crowley and, you know, you assisting and kind of hand-holding maybe through the SBA. What are the requirements other than we've got to be bringing in less than, you know, the $30 million threshold? Yeah. So, you know, other than the, the revenue threshold, there's, there's different types of small business companies. Um, and Jess, why don't you kind of walk us through some of the different subsets of small business companies? And I think that'll kind of help uh, shed some light on, on what's available. Yeah, absolutely. So there's the um, small disadvantaged uh, small business carriers, which are um, the minority owned um, companies out there. Um, there's a veteran owned, uh, small business. Uh, there's a service disabled veteran owned, um, and then hub zone, which is uh, historically under, underutilized, um, areas, areas, uh, that 
cares reside in uh, that could qualify. Um, and then there's women-owned business, which requires 51% of ownership uh, by a female uh, to qualify for that one. Um, and there is, like he said, a lot of information out there on the SBA.gov site that uh, dives deep into that as well on uh, the requirements and how to go through that certification um, also. Now, let me ask this. I, I wanted to hop in. I got two parts to this. So first, I know you listed those off, Jess. Is there a, is it like a go, no go as long as they meet that requirement or criteria? Or is it like, hey, if you meet, if you're a woman and veteran owned, you maybe would be looked ahead of somebody else. Is there a ranking system or how does that work? Or is yeah, it just so, go, no go? No, that's a great question. So um, it's my understanding if you qualify for two, um, then yes in a sense that would, and, and, and Jerome can correct me if I'm wrong on that, um, ahead of your woman-owned and a veteran-owned um, certification on that. Yeah, okay. so, and there, there's, you know, we, we run into a lot of companies that do qualify under multiple criteria, um, and, you know, which is great, you know, there, there's, there are additional opportunities uh, for those companies. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a ranking, right? You know, we, 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 give due diligence to all of our small business carriers, regardless of which uh, subset they hit. Um, but, you know, if you, if you are hitting two or three of those categories, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities and not just within Crowley, but within the federal contracting realm. Oh yeah. As it's well. definitely not going to hurt you. It's basically the, uh, yeah. and the, you know, there's, look at it. you know, just real quick. I mean, looking at the hub zone um, for, for anyone that's not familiar with that program, uh, the HubZone program is basically uh, trying to bring business back into areas that are historically underutilized. So trying to bring back in business to where maybe companies have, you know, fleed previously and there's really nothing bringing business back into those communities. And so what happens is the United States government, they they look at the entire United States and they look at these underutilized areas where they want to bring business back into these communities. And so they zone out these certain areas and they call them a hub zone. And then they say, if, if to incentivize business to come back, they say, okay, if you reside within this area, we're going to have special uh, opportunities for you within government contracting. And, you know, I'll be honest. So I've looked at this hub zone map and for any of the listeners, you go to Google, you type in hub zone map. The first link that comes up is going to be a link through the small business administration. You type in your address and it'll show you if you qualify or if you reside within a hub zone. And let me tell you, there are a lot of hub zones around the country and, you know, bringing this type of information to carriers. I mean, this this can drastically change your business by simply looking at where your company resides and if it falls in this, you know, historically underutilized area. And if it does, and there's a lot of them out there, this, this has the potential to change your company for the better, you know, in terms of growth and additional business. And so I encourage everybody, you know, go – Google the HubZone map, see if, if your company's location qualifies. Um, you know, if, if you're having any trouble, please reach out to our team. Uh, this is, you know, something that we've incorporated into our onboarding process. We double check that. Um, and, and, you know, we help carriers kind of navigate what that looks like. But, you know, the, the other categories, like Jess mentioned, the woman-owned, veteran-owned, 
you know, as long as there's a 51% ownership in either of those criteria, then you qualify as that subset of small business company. So Thanks something that hub zone, that hub zone one, man, I bet there's a lot of carriers out there that just don't know that they could qualify. Uh, yeah. Can you give me an example of what, so let's just say I'm one of those carriers and I happen to be in one of these areas, right? What could that potentially mean for me? I mean, just an example or of something that that would mean that changes things. Yeah. So HubZone, out of all of the categories, um, HubZone is one of the more niche categories. Um, and, and I think it's because a lot of companies just don't, they, they don't know about the program. So they don't know to check if they mm -hmm. reside within it. Um, but again, HubZone, the, the advantages there, um, one, there's going to be a lot of opportunity within Crowley on our defense contracts. Uh, two, the federal government has contracts specifically designated for HubZone small business carriers. So they say, that, you know, let's just say there's 100 contracts, right, that are going out to, to bid. There might be like 15 of them that are only going to get released to HubZone certified oh, small business carriers. And, and so it, it gives them an advantage, right? It's an incentive to, again, get more business back into those communities that have been historically underutilized. Um, and so, you know, and to, to, to continue on that path, uh, Crowley also has a program where if you are a HubZone provider, we will partner with you and we will look at some contracts that we can team up and partner on to where your hub zone company would perform 51% of the services. And then you're able to leverage Crowley and use our past performance um, and our proposal skills and everything else that we bring to the table to where yeah, we can then go after these contracts together and basically help mentor uh, these, these hub zone providers on these contracts. But yeah, there, there's a lot of contracts that are, purely go uh, to hub zone carriers. And so again, I think it comes down to information and education and, and that's what, you know, we're, we're here to do today. I'm shocked. I just pulled it up on my iPad and it is uh, very colorful. There's a lot of different, uh, <laughs> there, there a are lot a of, lot. I mean, there's all over the place too. Like every state, like I was kind of surprised at where I'm at in Western New York, there's spots that are listed on here. Um, yep. And, you know, kind so, of going back to that stat, you know, 97%, 20 or fewer, that's 97% of the, the transportation industry that qualifies a small business. And I guarantee you that there are so many of those companies that reside in the hub zone and they have no idea of the potential that is out there to help them from companies like Crowley, as well as the small business administration. So let me ask you this when it comes to small business. I know, and then you guys had the, um, the different classifications uh, and also the, the revenue requirement. What happens if somebody exceeds that 30 million in a year? Do they fall, like, do they automatically get excluded then or are they grandfathered in? What, have you guys ever seen anything like this or how would that be addressed? Yeah, so that's a great question. There, there are few opportunities um, that we have run into where that's actually happened. Um, but the way it works is they actually take a three-year average of your revenue. Um, and as long as that three-year average is below 30 million, even though one of the years you may have slightly exceeded that, um, you would still qualify as small business and be certified. 
Um, once your three-year average exceeds that 30 million, um, you know, it's not like you're removed from the Crowley network by any means. Um, we just wouldn't be able to count that business towards our small business objectives. I got you. Um, but by that point, we've already developed a really good working relationship and we're going to continue to work with you. Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine it's a, it's a bad day in someone's world when, they, when their revenue exceeds the amount to be considered a small business. So, yeah. Like, like I said, um, I've only seen it happen a couple times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, we still keep you incorporated in our network. Um, it just changes how we capture that revenue uh, and, and apply it to our goals. Cool. All right. So uh, let me see here. Well, going back, and that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, my former employer, right, was definitely over that. We definitely still work together. That's how we all know each other. Um, it's just, it goes back to the metric you, you mentioned in the first episode, right? Like the goal was what, 51% to go to small businesses and you were achieving, what was the number again? With most government contracts, there's a requirement that the government says that you have to award uh, a certain percentage of your contract to small business companies. Um, our specific target that the government gave us for our defense contract was 28%. So 28% of our transportation spend had to go to small business companies. Um, we took that and we said, okay, we, we want to do better, right? Because from the very beginning, we saw, we saw the value that small business companies bring to our network. Um, and it really goes back to our first episode, right? My goal isn't to be one of 400 accounts from a transportation carrier. Like I want to be one of a handful, right? So we get that one-on-one, -on -one, we have that better relationship. We get that better service. Uh, right now we're averaging 45% of our transportation spend is going to small business companies. And I mean, that's, you know, we're talking, we're talking 45% of a $2.3 billion contract over seven years. I mean, we've, we've, we have routed hundreds of millions of dollars to small business companies on this contract to date. So, um, you know, our, our next target, our next benchmark, we're, we're shooting for 50%. Um, and, awesome. and there's, there's, there's no reason that we, we can't get there. I like it. And, um, Ben, Go ahead, Jess. I, I, I got a random stat for Ben that I want him to, to go over, but let's see what you got first. No, no, I was just going to say the, our goal at that 50% is really to help the small business carriers who, you know, the, the process going through getting a government contract can be daunting and all, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. And so creating that relationship really helps them uh, to support that warfighter um, as we do. Um, and it just makes it a little bit easier. And then to that relationship too, Man, by the time we've gotten to some of these small business carriers and let's say they, you know, hit that mark, that relationship is so important. And we've, we're, it's now a personal relationship. It's not just business anymore. It's a business and personal relationship um, that we have with them. And it just, it makes everything run so much smoother. Um, and it's just, it's really just amazing um, at what we, what we can do together. I agree. And I, I, and we did hit on this in the last episode where, you know, Jerome, you, you said it again, you don't want to be one of 400. You want to be one, one within a handful of, of people. And it hits on Jess's point. It's not just a business relationship. You develop a personal rapport with these folks at these companies that you're working with. Um, and it makes everyone's job more enjoyable. So when you're happy and you're enjoying your work and you enjoy who you're working with, a lot of time your work ethic is going to be increased. It's just going to be an overall better environment and atmosphere. So, and the segue to that is, you know, a lot of people just assume that the large trucking companies own the market share. And Ben, you had this stat before, 
pull it up if you still got it. It was like I the did. mega carriers, right? So, you know, not small business, not the medium or larger ones. We're talking mega carriers that have, you know, big fleets. What's the stat on their, on their market share? Yeah, when it walks through it. So, you know, we just talked about the very small and small, one to six and seven to 19. Then there's medium 20 to 100, large 100 to 2,000. Now, very large is 2,000 to 5,000 and mega is 5,000 and over. So if you take the top three categories, which is 101 to two to 5,000 and above, that makes up 1% of the entire market. Wait, so that's the mega, the very large, and the large? So basically, and, and, over yeah, truck. all three are less than 1.5%. In fact, yeah, very yeah. large, which is two to 5,000, is less than 0%. It's some fraction of one. Less than 0%? Well, is that possible? It's a fraction of one percent. It's qualified on the stat. I got. I know. I'm, I'm just guessing they just didn't carry out the decibels. But regardless, Ben's not a math teacher. We don't. We won't uh, hold it against him. I believed him. <laughs> it's a. It's an impressive stat, though. I mean, you know, people think that a lot of the time, like if you looked at, for example, a different industry where it doesn't mirror trucking, like e-commerce, like Amazon does own a huge percent of the market share, whereas like in trucking, these big companies, they really don't. So, um, and I think a lot of it comes down to, it's not like, you know, you mentioned benchmarks and what you want to do with Crowley, for example, but it's not like it's forced that you want to do, that you have to do that. People like we choose to work with small business because it's enjoyable and it fits with our business model and our culture, you know, whether you're at, you know, like Ben with, with coaching or me with brokerage or Jerome and Jess with Crowley as a 3PL, the small business relationships just make everything's so much easier. It's less, less corporate, you know, red lines and, you know, tape and all this stuff. It's just, I don't know. It tends yeah. to be a lot more functional. That's yeah. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these carry small business carriers we work with, we don't just talk to the dispatcher, but we're talking to the drivers because they have, you know, just a handful of drivers um, that we create the relationship with them as well. Um, and so it's, it's just easier to navigate any issues that come up or arise. We're cutting out two middlemen, um, and just getting right down to it. And, and they have the trust in us uh, that we're, we're there for their good. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really highlights, um, it, you know, we, we talk about the relationship a lot, but it, I think we, we also invest a lot in our carriers. And when I say invest, it's not just about the, the money that we are sending their way in, in lieu of business. It's, it's really, you know, we take the time to mentor them through this entire process, right? We target a lot of carriers that they have not done military or government freight before. And when you're talking with a carrier that doesn't already have that experience, sometimes, um, you know, they, they get a little scared, right? They, they get a little shy and they're like, it sounds like it's not possible or it sounds like it's really difficult. And so what we do is we say, hey, let, let us kind of mentor you through this entire program and, and trust in us that we're going to help develop you and, and trust in us that we're going to show you what that success looks like to really help you, you know, flourish in this environment. And that's really what it comes down to. I dig it. I dig it. So let's, um, I want to hear some of these success stories. I know you got, you got some stuff in here. So, um, Jess, I think you were going to hit on this. You've got a couple of companies that you wanted to highlight. And what I thought was kind of cool here too is we're, we, we mentioned, or you guys had mentioned <clears throat> small trucking companies and even a, uh, a brokerage. Yeah. 
right? Because yeah. a lot of times having the, the brokerage relationships is what is going to really help um, benefit somebody as far as capacity and where their strengths are. So what, what have you got as far as some success stories? Yeah, so um, Kevin Bissonette is with Biss uh, Transport, um, and he was one of the first carriers really signed on with a contract from the get-go, um, from the first shipment that went out. He's been on since the beginning. So he started with us with one truck. It was him driving, you know, to and from DDSB. Um, and by the time it was, I think about the time 2018 rolled around, um, he was up to seven drivers, 16 trailers and even had to get their house um, facility to to accommodate all he was doing for us you say he got uh, a he, warehouse he had to get it yeah he had to because we're we're you know Old one of logistics company right there, <laughs> yeah one of a handful of businesses that are that he handles and so he had to just to be able to route things around and move things around too for us. So he has been phenomenal. Um, and they did it. We did an amazing story um, on him and you can go to a uh, dfts.crowley.com to see that um, the nicest guy that you'll talk to um, some of his drivers that he's hired on uh, veteran service, disabled veteran. Um, and at one point had a waiting list of people that just wanted to work for him um, under this contract. And I think that just speaks to, I mean, volumes of the way he does business um, and the relationship that we have with him. Um, and then there's uh, there's another, so the small business broker that we uh, partner with as Virginia Transport. Um, and Dean and his team there, um, they're amazing too. So they are a broker, so, which I think surprises uh, a lot of people, but there are small business brokers out there. And What's great about their story is that we grew them so much that they were able to actually provide healthcare benefits to their employees. Um, and that, awesome. that's where it hits the personal level. That's where yeah. you're just like, man, we're doing something good, you know, feel really good about it. You're able to, to get people health, healthcare benefits and who would have thought that um, and really just encourage their team due to the business to, to go back to school and to get their degrees and um, things of that nature. And so they're, they're phenomenal too. And then we also have three small business. When I say small, each one of these have one truck um, and they, they route down in the Southeast for us and they'll call us and just say, Hey, this is where I'm at. Do you have anything that can help me, help me out? Mm -hmm. And we, we, you know, give them, give them what we have. We tell them where they're at. Um, and really match up uh, to back calls for them of what they need. Um, and that's one of those relationships that it works out. And if not, they're just like, all right, no worries. You know, we'll find something, come back and let you know when we're back in your area and what we can do for you. Um, so there's a lot of success stories out there um, that we do. I like yeah. it. And to, to go back to the one you had uh, with BIS, um, if you got people knocking on your door to come work for you, you're doing something right. So uh, I also like to just to kind of hear the, the types of companies that you guys uh, partner with and that you work with that, you know, it's, it's not just, Hey, you qualified. So, you know, we're going to work with you. It's, you know, you actually, there's good quality people outside your companies out there um, that aren't just, Hey, we're small business. There's good ownership. They're run with people that have good integrity and values. So, uh, and then same thing with Virginia too, with being able to offer the health benefits. That's, that's awesome. So yeah. um, good stories. So there's so much here to, to unpack. So I just want to kind of go back to some of these stories because, you know, just gave a, a really good high level, um, you know, and, and looking at someone like BIS, um, part of the value that we're also bringing to the government by targeting these small business companies 
uh, and looking at BIS specifically, he had never done government freight before, ever. And so he came out to one of our small business seminars. We talked to him. We reassured him that, you know, we're, we're really uh, focusing on the relationships here um, and, and that he should make an investment and get more equipment, more drivers. And, um, you know, by, by doing that, um, he, he really, one, we have a new carrier to the government, right? And I think that's, that's huge. Um, bringing more people into this uh, pool of opportunity is great. He was able to to get all those additional drivers. He has a warehouse. I mean, this guy went from working in like the basement of his house to now he has an actual office with a warehouse. And I mean, it's 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 a it's a great story. That's um, awesome. And, and I want I mean, to add a little bit of this. Hold on to this before we go past that. Is I want you guys to talk a little bit about what you guys built out to support these carriers, right? what it's really like, how you and Jess, how, you know, how you and I know each other, right? You guys build out this infrastructure where, and, and I want to make sure we talk about this because I think, and some of the questions I've got after our first episode is, you know, the fear of working with a big company, yeah, they send me a load and then I call them and then I got an 800 number and then I don't have anybody to reach. Now I don't know what to do at pickup. What if I get lost at a base? What if I'm trying to deliver? I'm going to try to call this number. They put me on hold. Like, that's why I like to, sm- to work with the smaller companies. And that's a real concern for these small carriers. But, you know, we know what that looks like. I want you guys to speak to the people that you have brought on that literally help these guys on a daily basis get to this point, right? Can you guys speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so, um, well, it, you know, it started with our initial strategy of, of getting out in the field and working with the carriers. So, uh, you know, we traveled around the country. We hosted small business seminars to encourage small business companies to come out, learn about Crowley, let us, let us uh, go through the onboarding process, and, and we uh, explore all the opportunities and figure out where you can add value within our network. Um, and then from there, it really transitions over to our operations team, who then, you know, take that same strategy and just continue to build on it. So again, we have, you know, we have over 120 people on this defense contract and every single one of them knows the value that we have for our small business carriers. And so we really take that narrative of, uh, you know, I don't want to work with a large company and we're saying, Hey, this is exactly why you should work with us because we do take the time um, and invest back in your company. And if you do call us, we are going to pick up the phone. If you email us, you are going to get a response. If you're having trouble at a certain location, we're going to try and help you. And so we yeah, really take the, all of it. Yeah. It's the other operation side too. I'm, I'm not calling Kevin, you know, once a day being going, Hey, can you take this? Can you take this shipment? Um, there's a relationship there and I know his area of coverage. I know where his guys are going and coming to every day so that it's easier to set up, um, set him up for success under this contract and how, how they can, you know, help us out with that. So it's not just a, a one and done um, type of type of relationship. You understand the relationship. You yep. understand the value they have, where their network is, the lanes they want to run, the backhauls they're looking for. It's not just transactional, right? And there's somebody there that answers the phone and literally walks the driver around the base and says, hey, you're on the wrong side. You need to go around, make a left here and literally gets the guy in or gets them out. Right. And I think that's important to know is that it's not just the hand holding at the onboarding. It's not just the money and the revenue. It's literally making their jobs easier. I mean, because it's overwhelming. You pull to a military base. Nate, you were just there last weekend. I mean, if you've never been to a military base, is it easy to find a, a shipping dock inside one of them? I mean, no. <laughs> I wore the uniform and I, I, I don't even know half the time where I'm going on a base. 
<laughs> well, the thing is, too, is if, uh, you know, if you can't get a hold of somebody, you can't deliver that shipment, then you've, we've done no justice to the, to the contract um, and to who we're servicing. So we've always got somebody there to answer the phone to help in those situations or to address any questions that, you know, carriers, drivers, dispatchers, anybody have uh, reg- regarding that. So it sounds like the, the, the service level that Crowley provides overall is, is absolutely a bar set so high by the company that, um, you know, it, it blows other companies out of the water from what I've seen. You don't, you don't get awarded a, a over $2 billion contract by mistake, or if you're, if you're bad at doing your job, you guys have obviously earned it and you're, you know, been in business, you know, over a hundred years. So it, it speaks to the, you know, the, the level of, you know, the, I guess the values that you guys have as a company, the level of support that you offer overall and, Things are working obviously very, tremendously well for you guys. So and, um, and congrats we, on the success. And I love hearing these stories. This is great. Yeah. And you know, we, uh, we always, we always keep in mind who our, who our customer is, right? It's, it's our men and women in uniform. Um, so, you know, for, for our carriers to support us, well, we have to support our carriers. Well, and the more we invest in them, the more they invest in us, the better service that both of us are providing to our end user, which is our warfighter. So anyone out there listening, whether you are a a shipper, a broker, carrier, or just someone who likes listening to us talk, there's something to be, you know, you could take something out of this conversation from any part of the, of the supply chain there. So, you know, if if you're a broker, you're hearing how another third-party logistics company can successfully do things and retain business and keep carriers happy, which apparently right now brokers and carriers just hate each other. At least that's what Twitter and Facebook say. And everything on there is true. So, uh, oh, but you know, that goes to speak. And same thing with, if you're a carrier, you know that if you have a bad, you know, if you have a bad relationship with some of the brokers or shippers that you're working with or taking or hauling freight for, there are good companies out there that will do you or do right by you. So um, same thing if, if you're a shipper, you know, there are good quality companies out there. Not every single broker or carrier out there has a bad reputation like some of the large ones might have if by looking at Google reviews. So there's, there's good to be taken out of this conversation by, you know, everyone throughout the supply chain. So and did you guys have anything else pertinent that you wanted to, to talk through? I've got some good Q and A I wanted to involve both of you on here, but um, what, what else have we got on Crowley and small business? So I will say this, I would encourage uh, any of the transportation providers that are, are listening today. Um, I challenge you to, to contact us and see how we can help you. Um, there's, there's so many opportunities for small business companies. So if you fall with that annual revenue under 30 million, if you fall into any of those subset categories, if you're you know, a veteran, a service disabled, woman owned, um, or you know, maybe you just don't you know, know which, which category you fall in and maybe you need some guidance, let, let us help you out there um, and we'll show you where the opportunities are. What's the best way to reach you guys, Jerome? Uh, DFTS carriers at Crowley.com. Um, or you can call us uh, 904-727-1900. And then to see some of those success stories too, that uh, DFTS.Crowley.com. We'll make sure we put a link in the show notes too. Uh, what I wanted to make sure is that um, the hub zones thing, blew my mind. So I'm going to, we're going to link that in there. Check the show notes out for the DFTS site. We'll make sure the success stories are in there and all the good contact information for, for you guys at Crowley. So excellent. Very, very good stuff. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's go through some Q and A here. We got Q&A, what's that, Ben? Yeah. No, I just said we're jumping in the Q and A. I'm looking forward to this. Oh yeah. So the uh, I did send uh, our Crowley friends these as a heads up. Otherwise, they'd be uh, maybe they read it, maybe they didn't. But here's here's a couple of questions. Hop in if you guys want. Um, these all come from Reddit. I, I'm falling in love with Reddit lately. There's this uh, subreddit called Freight Brokers, and there's some pretty funny stuff on there. So um, I tried to pick relevant ones. The first one was super vague. Someone said, when do you think the market is going to flip? So obviously, you know, there's, this is a very up and down. There's, there's a lot of ebb and flow in trucking with rates, capacity, technological changes, and oh, by the way, COVID this year. So like, you know, all, all, kinds, of, all kinds of things have acted as factors and variables that are affecting the market. So um, when will the market flip? I don't have an answer on when. I can tell you what will help it flip, and that's going to be changes in capacity, uh, consumer confidence, and probably just COVID coming to a screeching halt at some point. But what do you guys think? Because obviously right now, uh, rates, we've seen rates dramatically go up, and I don't think anyone's stealing from anybody. It's just supply and demand. That's what happens in, in the marketplace. So when do you guys think the market will flip or go back to you know a nice even healthy level sooner so, than later i hope that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> and i think we're we're actually on the brink now of of the market changing i think with covid i think uh, a lot of capacity was taken out of the market due to a lot of companies going out of business mm-hmm. um, and i think there's a lot of shippers that are kind of getting back into that routine now their factories are opening back up their stores are opening back up at, at you know certain capacities um and I think that's that's driving a lot more uh, freight into the market, uh, but that capacity never really rebounded. And I think that's why the rates are kind of spiking. And I would say we're 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 getting really close to the market flipping. You know, now. <laughs> I agree, and I think one of the points a lot of people didn't think about is they're like, why why is capacity so tight? Um, like you said, a lot of carriers if if they didn't have the the financial, I guess position that they could weather a bad storm like we we've seen a lot of them just they they tanked they went under they maybe didn't take advantage of some of the government programs that were out there to, to stay afloat um they went under um and guess what you know when they they go under you can't just you know all of a sudden use those trucks with no one working in them and driving them so right. that naturally it's almost like survival of the fittest it's a kind of a demonic way to look at it but you know you naturally took a bunch of capacity out of the market just by the economy tanking because factories weren't open and things weren't shipping. So, um, and when they're not haul, when those trucks aren't moving down the road, hauling freight, they're not making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I do think we're on the, on that tipping point now, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be yeah. a gradual evolution. Ben, you're, I could tell you've got something to say. I've got the contrarian view. I think that most of the time when these small businesses can't weather that, the people that are driving and working for them just go work for somewhere else. Most of these guys just don't stop driving a truck because the company they work for went out of business. They usually find someone else to work for. I think this is more a function of the supply of inventory around the world has now picked up to catch up with everything that it lost when it shut down, right? So everything from automobiles down to widgets, right? Nobody manufactured anything for a few months. And all of these stores, I mean, like, just I was at the golf store in our area a couple months ago. Like, I couldn't buy a sandwich. Normally, there'd be a 100 of them. They're back ordered. If I wanted to order a new set of clubs, it was like six months. 
feel like there's just is an inventory. That's like I bicycles could, right now. Yeah. yeah. Bike, bike shop two to three week wait to just have to get a bike now in South Florida because that's all anybody's doing. But all inventory shrunk. And now all these stores are like putting in massive orders to get retail up, get the, get their inventory back. And even if the capacity stayed stagnant, like they're just not catching up to it. And I think these stores that are now coming online and starting to try to revamp that is not in line. And I think it's going to be a while until these things start realigning. But- the only the only asterisk I'm going to add to your statement about they'd all go and continue to drive is I, um, as, a, as a person that talks with people that want to broker or people that do broker on a regular basis, I had a lot of truck drivers that were collecting unemployment that paid more than what their regular wage was. So they said, I'm just going to be unemployed, try to learn brokerage in my free time, just become a broker now. I was like, I never thought about that. That's pretty wild. Absolutely. So I've had a couple of people the too. Accept, or the, uh, that's the exception to the rule there. And I think you're right though. I think there's a portion of that, but you know, we're what six weeks into where they've stopped that PUA money. And I don't think anybody's getting that right now. I mean, I could be wrong. There could be people still getting it, but from what I've read, it's kind of a hold there. So if they were surviving on that, they haven't been able to for what, five, six weeks now, at least through August. Yeah. It's a good point. We'll see. So I guess we'll see, you know, it's like the market forecasters and meteorologists are the only people that are allowed to be wrong for a living. Right. So Fair enough. All right. Next question. And this actually goes very well in, in tune with our episode today. Someone said, I've got 30 trucks. How do I get loads? So they, you know, they're a trucking company. How do they get business? Um, well, I think we've had, we just had a great discussion on building relationships and Crowley is obviously a, a good way to get started. If you're in that small business arena, um, there's always load boards too, though. I mean, that, that might sound like the, the generic answer to me, but um, what do you guys think? 30 trucks, I would say um, you didn't get there by mistake. They obviously grew it to 30 unless they just bought a trucking company. But how do you get freight when you got 30 trucks? That's pretty, I think you're in a good position with 30 trucks. Yeah, we, we just gave you a bunch of different ways to call Crowley. So before you hit those other boards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you call They're us. looking for a phone number right, and an email address and a website to go to. <laughs> Flash it at the bottom. <laughs> I, I would say if I had 30 trucks, the last thing that I would want to do is rely on a load board. Um, for the pure reason that if I have 30 trucks, I'm on a load board, I could be dealing with, you know, 15, 20 different customers. Each of them has a unique way to bill. Each of them has their own app that they want you to use. And so it gets very complicated to work and maintain that many customers. Um, If I have 30 trucks, I'm calling Crowley to get uh, certified with them to work on their defense contract. Um, and then I'm also levering, le- leveraging their knowledge to then get certified through the Small Business Administration. So that way it opens me up to additional opportunities through federal contracts. Um, and, you know, I-, I would say that's the more uh, uh, reliable route as opposed to load boards. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Inevitably, you're going to have to go to a load board. You're going to be stuck somewhere. You need to get back home. But a load board should not be your primary source for moving your trucks. Like that shouldn't be your number one option. Agreed. Yeah, that's 100%. huge. I think if you can you can build relationships and the whole they want you to download their own app and they build it for you. That is that's massive. It's huge, right? I mean, this is 
And you, you're absolutely right when you said too, because there's different nuances and third party billing stuff. It's like, if you can, you know, like we said before, instead of being one of 400, being one of a handful and a small co-op of, of business partners, it's just overall going to be such a cleaner experience and, you know, very personable. So and I, I agree. I think the biggest thing is in your right room, like that's the prudent way to go about it. There should be a mix in there and you shouldn't be heavy. I don't think in my opinion on one side or the other, you should have some that you're getting from the spot that way you can take advantage of the shifts, but you should have enough consistent business coming through that you're not totally reliant and totally a slave to what the market's doing. Right. I mean, right now, I mean, we're talking to, you know, one of the biggest, I guess I wouldn't want to, what do we clarify? So three PLs, right? Ton of business, large contracts, right? This type market is going to affect everybody. If you're picking up the phone now, everybody I coach and everybody I'm talking to and working with is like, it's like a free for all for brokers because every shipper is having capacity issues somewhere one day of the week. They're all looking for help. And if you've got reliable carriers working with you and you've got, you know, the same values and beliefs that we've been discussing and you're, you know, building the right relationships, you should be able to be acquiring customers fairly easy at this point in time if you're able to support the business that they're giving you. Yeah. And the same, if even look at it, if you're, let's say you're not a carrier, let's say you're a broker and the same philosophy applies. You don't want to be bidding on list freight every single morning as your only source of business. You want to have long-term customers that you have a good rapport with that you've proven your worth to, that you're reliable, you're intelligent, and you have um, leveraged relationships with carriers to be able to perform a duty for them. So good, uh, good discussion on the 30 truck situation. And I, I almost like hope that whoever wrote that question did it as a joke because yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess my, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, ah, maybe some guy just, you know, walked into an inheritance and bought a 30, a truck company with 30 trucks. And is like, Okay, what do I do now? Look <laughs> up some podcasts, YouTube. Maybe, maybe we'll have a, a phone call come through uh, to, our, to our line. Say, hey, I'm the guy with the 30 trucks. Uh, <laughs> like, ah, here. There he is. Yep. All right, good. So here's the last question. Um, how strict should I be on having a shipper sign a rate sheet? So this is coming from, this could be actually a carrier if they're going direct or a broker or both. I mean, it could be a carrier to a broker. Um a rate sheet. So here's my, here's my take on it. Um, having it in some written form, whether it's text message, email, uh, PDF, having that rate in writing is better than not having it in writing at all. Um, I'm all about having something signed, but it's just not realistic in my opinion, across the board, every single day to have every single load tender signed, agreeing to a rate. Cause a lot of times it just happens so fast. Um, Every company has different requirements. So maybe, you know, like one brokerage might say, you've got to have, everything's got to be signed or it has to be electronic on this form or EDI tendered over, whatever. Um, but I say having it in writing is better than not having it in writing regardless. But um, what have you guys seen as far as, and this is, a, you know, like let's say you quote a customer on how much you're going to move it for or even a care how much you're going to pay them. And then you send a rate confirmation, right? So what are your thoughts? I think a lot of what we do, there's some sort of electronic trail of what we do. Even if it's over the phone, even if I, if I broker over the phone, I send an email with a tender and the body of that email is, is restating, you know, what we've talked about. So, yep. um, you know, maybe you don't get it signed, but 
there's some trail somewhere that exactly and and i think that kind of ties into some of the other discussion points that we had so if if i'm a carrier um you know again going back to the 30 trucks i'm looking at it from like a risk mitigation so you know when you go to a load board you kind of open yourself up to that additional risk of you know maybe now you have 20 different customers and you know, maybe you haven't worked with a lot of those customers before. So, you know, maybe, maybe you aren't savvy enough to, to have like that actual signed rate con um, or something in writing. And now you're taking on that risk that they're going to do what they said they were going to do, but you're having to trust them and you don't really know them. Um, so going back to having, you know, those, those handful of shippers or brokers that you have that really good relationship with helps kind of mitigate that risk of, you know, that, that entire process, in, in my opinion. That's a great point. And I think, I think that's likely the context of that question, you know, yep. not knowing who they're doing business with and wanting to CYA along the way. Look, and if, if I didn't know like the shipper or the broker and like that was my first time, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting everything signed. Um, now, if this is a broker or a shipper that I have an amazing relationship with and maybe they're in a pinch and they don't have time to sign something, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna trust them. No harm, no foul. But for for yeah. someone that I've never worked with, from a risk mitigation, I'm, I'm getting signatures. And so even I'll if give you, you don't, the, the first time it goes south, you'll never do it again. So <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give you an example of a real world experience that I've had in the past where um, a brokerage had to put in their employment contract per se that all brokers are required to get rates and writing. So this is, and this, this is the truth. I'm not making this up. So um, a broker was moving potatoes and onions, which are often priced by per bag oh. or per 50 or hundred pounds. And Ben, I might've told you this story before. So what would happen is the customer's rate would be per, you know, let's say it's $7 per 50 pound bag. And then, you know, if it's loaded to 42,000 pounds, here's your full all in rate. So then the broker takes that rate, finds a carrier that will move it at, you know, $6.50 per bag. So if they load to a full 42,000 pounds, they're going to um, get X amount of money. So either way, there's margin in there. It all makes sense. Just kind of goofy pricing. So then here's what happens is the shipper doesn't load the truck to 42,000 pounds and the rate, the, the broker has the full rate to invoice them at, you know, $1,000 too much but the carrier invoices us for less than what was originally there. So now there's this like erroneous gross profit built in that's being paid commission out to a broker on, and then the customer short pays. And this is a continuous cycle where the broker is finding that, Ooh, I'm scamming this company out of commission. And eventually the guy got cut. You know, you can't leave that person on your team when they're basically stealing from you, but the customer wasn't liable to pay that amount of money because you know, they agreed to, you know, X amount per bag if it was, you know, and you have to load up to this full amount to do it. And, you know, we you know, then required everyone's got it. You got to have it in writing of what the rate's going to be because, oh, it was over a phone call and this and that can get messy. So that's a real, that's a real situation. And it costs, it was like an $80,000 uh, net, like just disaster over like three to six months. It was terrible. So, cause then you get claims mixed in there. So then they're not paying any of the claims cause their invoices are all jacked up. So yeah, it was messy. You got to cleaned up. That is a mess. That's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
So, yeah. Just have just have something on paper. That's what I say. Because like you said, it's all about mitigating risk. If there's a discrepancy and you can say, I've got this text message or this email, like, all right, you're, you're right, you're right. And at the end of the day, let's say it's a carrier broker dispute and there's going to be a surety bond claim involved in there. The people at the, the you know, surety bond, they're going to look at what documentate, what can you prove to me, not your word versus theirs. Yeah. So have it on paper or electronically or something. Good stuff. Pretty cool. Final thoughts. Any final thoughts here? I know we got another episode with Crowley. I'm excited. Looking forward to that one um, in the future here. But any final thoughts on small business, the questions, upcoming sports predictions? What do we think? I, uh, so, so final thoughts for me. I, I really hope that this episode has kind of shined some light in terms of um, what it means to be a small business. Some of the opportunities are out there to help you. Um, and how Crowley can be a part of that solution to help your company grow, um, become certified with Crowley, become certified with the Small Business Administration, and some of the good things that that will lead to. So I hope that uh, users take that, um, reach out to us, and and let us help them navigate some of these uh, some of these opportunities. Yeah, dig it. My final thoughts: I'm going to say the the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. After the hot shot start to the year we've got here, but also on on a, on a different note, small business note. Um, I agree. You know, there the small business is the backbone of America. I think that especially with trucking in general, um, we just had the thank a trucker week. I think it was here recently. So this week, um, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This week. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, overall, the, it's a it's a good conversation to have. Without small business, we wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to operate as a country. We wouldn't. And it was founded, you know, yeah, I think that any large business started as a small business and, you know, the, most of the little mom and pop boutique shops in your town, little, your hometown that you guys go through and you go shopping at your restaurants to go to is a small business. So same applies in trucking. Yeah. That was, you know, was going to be kind of my final thought was, you know, honestly, kind of risen, you know, national truck driver appreciation week, you know, this week is, it's a different year. And I think, you know, the whole world's kind of recognized the hard work and the grind that truck drivers put into it every day, making sure that the goods were there. I'm pretty sure it's a recent enough memory that everyone remembered what it was like going to the grocery store and not finding toilet paper or whatever random thing you were out of when the pandemic hit earlier. This that year. happened to me yeah. yesterday, literally yesterday, still couldn't get like still regular toilet paper or paper towels. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a small business companies small business uh transportation companies helped this country through covid i mean they really did they stepped up to the plate you know we we were fortunate enough you know we got to to work from home uh truck drivers you know they, they didn't have that luxury and so um you know big shout out to them truck driver appreciation week thank you to all the truckers um in fact to, to all the people in logistics you know keeping keeping freight moving uh, they all played a role and uh, they, they really came through for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having you guys on. Yeah. Looking yeah, forward to the next one. All right. Well, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Until then, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any content that you've heard in this episode. Visit us on the web at www.midnightfreightbroker.com. And feel free to contact me if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency. 
And if you'd like to learn more about what I do or are interested in us running a complimentary sales training for your sales team, please reach out through LinkedIn or our website once again at midnightfreightbroker.com. See you all in the next episode.